Well, good morning, church. It is so good to be back with you. So good to see so many of you here in person. So many of you joining us online. Hey, I want to start by saying thanks to all of you who have expressed sympathy and compassion to my family and me at the passing of my mom. For sure, it has been a challenging season. The Fitz fam is sad, but at the same time, we rejoice uh, because Grandma Fitz uh, faced death with confidence. She stared it in the face head on and said, where is your sting? And now her faith has been made sight, her joy has been made complete, and those of us who love her have even more reason to get where we're going with her at the end. So uh, it's been a sad season, but it's also not been without hope and joy. Uh, but thank you. It is good to be loved. I've received, we've received so many cards and flowers and hugs and messages. I just got to say, man, it is good to be in a family where you're loved. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, for those of you who are regularly praying for our staff, thank you. Uh, because it hasn't just been a season for me. In fact, we've had several staff who are dealing with uh, illness and death and uh, challenges with family members, with parents, with siblings, with kids. So for those of you who are praying people, which I hope is all of you, um, please continue to pray for our staff and please continue to lift us up. It means more to us, means more to me than I can adequately express and, you know, we're well aware that we live in a fallen world, and with that uh, comes challenges, comes sickness, comes death, and comes pain, and all of that. Um, and we know that our sin can add to that, can complicate things, and contributes to the mess. But we also remember that there is a very real enemy who wages war against God's people. So if you are one of those people, if you follow Jesus and you claim to be a Christian, you have a target on your back. The enemy is after you. But I'm also convinced that the forces of hell enjoy nothing more than taking down those who serve and lead in the local church. And I think the higher the position, the bigger the target is. So please do keep praying for us. Pray for your elders, your staff. Pray for me. Uh, we need it. We need it more than I can express. Uh, and we know that in seasons like this, seasons uh, that are supposed to be filled with joy and merriment, with laughter, with celebration, with family and friends and get-togethers and all that comes with that, um, the enemy wants nothing more than to steal away everything good. He wants nothing more than to steal our joy. In fact, Jesus told us the enemy's game plan. He said he's like the grumpy green Grinch before the heart change, right? In uh, John 10.10, 10, Jesus told us what the enemy's plan. He says the thief, that's the devil, Satan. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's his game plan. That's what he wants to do. If it's good, if it's from God, if it's joy-filled, if it's peaceful, he wants to steal it, he wants to kill it, he wants to destroy it. But I have come, Jesus said, that they, meaning those who follow him and all people, if they would choose to follow him, that they may have what? Life. And have it what? To the full. He wants us to have a full overflowing life. And I love that. Oftentimes when I look at this verse, this is one of my favorite verses in scripture. I know I say that a lot, but scripture's just filled with great things. But this is one of my favorite verses, John 10, 10. And when I think of that, that Jesus came to give us life and life to the full, I think of the, the joy-filled life. 
a life full of peace and full of grace and full of redemption and full of hope and full of wonder. In fact, this time of year, I just think of it this way. Jesus came to give us a wonder-filled life, a wonderful life. That's why he came. And without him, we wouldn't have the wonder and joy and beauty of the season. That's what he came to do. And not just a life that's full and overflowing later on the other side of the grave, but a life that is overflowing and filled right now in the here and now. But the enemy wants to steal that away from us. But when I think of this verse, sometimes I miss what's perhaps the most significant part of it. And maybe you do too. Three little words, I have come. I love that. I have come, Jesus said. You know, if Jesus had not left the glory, the splendor, the majesty of heaven to come here for us, that the king of creation, I mean, think of this. This is incredibly significant. That the king of creation, the king of glory, left all the majesty and beauty of heaven to come here and become one of us. Like, that's the wonder of this season. That's the joy of this season. That's the beauty of this season. If Jesus didn't leave the grandeur of heaven, we would have no reason for hope. We would have no reason for joy, no reason for peace. In fact, we would be stuck in despair. We'd be stuck in our sin. We'd be facing a life of darkness and an eternity of hell had he not chosen to come for us. And so when we look at that phrase, I have come, that's in fact the turning point of all history. Jesus' arrival here on earth is the turning point in all of history. If you're taking notes for us today, uh, taking notes with us today, there's your first fill in the blank, the turning point. If you aren't taking notes, I encourage you to text notes to 502-289-1387. You get an app there, you get a connection, a link to find the sermon notes there to review them later. But his arrival is the turning point in history. For the longest time, we marked history by the time before his birth and the time after his birth. Before Christ and in the year of our Lord. That's what A.D. means. Now then, some secular historians said, you know, we're not really Jesus followers. We want to change this. And so they tried to change the language whatever they did. Now it's B.C. or B.C.E. and uh, C.E. Before common era and the common era. So everything after a certain point becomes the common era in which we live. Everything before that was before the common era. But you know how we mark the designation, the turning point between the common era and everything that came before it? The birth of Jesus. So you can change the language all you want, but we still mark history by the time before Christ and the time after Christ. His life, the most significant life ever lived on this planet. And we mark history by it. His life was the turning point. Jesus' arrival changes everything. The king of the universe, king of glory, the king of creation, chose to leave the glory and the splendor of heaven to enter into his creation, becoming fully man and yet still fully God. He emptied himself of all his divine power and privilege, but remained in essence God. So fully God, fully man, incarnate, in the flesh, God with us. I mean, this is so incredible. It's so phenomenal. We don't have words to adequately express the incredibleness of the incarnation. Like words fail us. They fail me to capture the wonder, the awe, the power of what happened in that manger. And I wonder if sometimes we miss the wonder of it. Let's go back. I'm gonna take us back to that story. You have this young teenage girl named Mary 
who is engaged to Joseph, but they're not yet married, and she's still a virgin. And angels visit her and say, hey, Mary, you're going to have a child, but not by Joseph. In fact, this is going to be miraculous, and he will be the savior of the world. He's going to rescue people from their sins. Mary's like, oh. So Mary goes to Joe, and it's like, Joe, guess what? I'm pregnant. And Joe's like, what? Because they're, you know, I mean, it makes sense. He's like a little, like, distraught by this. She goes, no, 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 it's not what you think. And he's like, hmm. Now, this is a crazy lie. And then the angels visit him and substantiate what Mary said. They validify it. And Joe's like, oh, because when the angels come and stare you in the face, you tend to believe what they're saying, right? So then there's the census. The Roman governor orders his census to be taken. They get to travel to the ancestral hometown. So they get on, well, Mary gets on the donkey and they trek over to Bethlehem. They arrive in Bethlehem. That's his ancestral hometown. Now, when they arrive there, Oftentimes we hear the story, it's like they're going around knocking on strangers' doors. Hey, you got a place? You got a place? You got a place? And they're knocking on the inn, and Motel 6 is like filled up, dude, sorry. Uh, go sleep in the barn. Not quite how it happened. Because it's an ancestral hometown, they're traveling with family. They probably are going to stay with family. They show up to see the family. The family is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No angel visited us. It's quite the story y'all are telling. But you're pregnant. You're not married. Kind of taboo. Uh. Mm, gonna put a clown on the family, y'all can sleep in the barn. Like, who puts baby in the corner, right? I mean, that's basically what they do. They're shoving Jesus into the garage, if we think in common terms, right? Like, there you go, like putting him off to the side. And so there they are, and then baby's born. Jesus arrives on the scene. And then we're gonna pick it up with some other key players in this story. Luke chapter two, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, because that's what shepherds did. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, like dark sky, maybe moon, some stars up in the sky, beautiful starlit sky, but it's dark, it's nighttime, and all of a sudden, boom, like the brightest sunshine imaginable, it is daylight, like in the middle of the night. And they were terrified, understandably so, because when the night sky lights up like noonday, you get a little freaked out. So then, the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. You know, these shepherds are like, a little late for that. In fact, might need to go change clothes. It's kind of freaked me out, right? What's going on? It says, I bring you what? Good news that will bring what? Great joy to all people. The angel announces this, don't be afraid. It's good news for great joy for you and everyone else. And what is this good news that's gonna bring the great joy? The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. He's here, he's come, he's arrived. This one you've been waiting for, the one you've been praying for, the one you've been desperate for, he's here. Wow, so then, and you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And he goes on. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying. Now, to get the effect of this, the armies of heaven singing out, saying what they're about to say. I want you to read this next part with me. But you gotta read it loud and proud. Those of you online, you gotta read it loud and proud. I don't care where you are, you just say it out. Right? You might be sitting in an airport. That's okay, people, like, they'll just like, oh, that's cool, right? So here we go, everybody with me. Glory to God in the highest heaven. 
and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Right? So these shepherds are there, and all of a sudden they hear this bellowing out, glory to God. Right? Whoa. So then what do they do after that? Well, the angels return to heaven, and the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Makes sense. They told us this thing's going to happen. Let's go see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off to the village and found Mary and Joseph. Now, some people were like, whoa, 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 whoa. How did they find this couple? How did they find this baby? I mean, you got all these people. Listen, Bethlehem ain't Louisville, right? You're not talking hundreds of thousands or a million people. You're talking a village, a village. And it's a village in the middle of the night. A village where, yeah, some people had flooded in, family, census, all that kind of stuff. But you probably didn't have a lot of newborns. And contrary to the song, Sweet little baby Jesus, no crying and makes. Jesus was fully God. He's also fully human. And what does a human baby do? They cry. Anybody ever had a child that did not cry? Any, any mamas out there, your baby, first couple days, it's like, oh, no crying he makes. Listen, I don't care how sweet your kid is. I don't care if it's the savior of the world. Baby's going to cry, all right? So how did the shepherds find? Well, they're in a small village. It's dark, not many newborns. They follow the sound of the cries. And there they are, they walk the streets, and there's baby Jesus. They found the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And then all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart. She thought about them, she treasured them there often. And the shepherds went back to their flocks. That's what you do. You got to go back to life at some point, but they returned different. They went back to their flocks, but they were glorifying and praising God for all they had heard, all they had seen. And it was just as the angel had told them. Now, I'm going to focus in on verse 18 real quick. Verse 18. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Now, this word is just rich in meaning. In fact, some of our English translations would translate it this way. All who heard the shepherd's story were amazed. Others would say all who heard the shepherd's story marveled at what they heard and saw. But perhaps my favorite is this. All who heard the shepherd's story were filled with wonder. What a wonderful story. Friend, do you still find wonder in this wonder-filled story. Do you still find wonder there? In October of last year, 2021, William Shatner, who is perhaps most famous for playing the role of Captain Kirk in the original Star Trek series, captaining the fictitious USS Enterprise and the US Space Fleet, Last year, he was gifted a flight actually into outer space on Jeff Bezos' rocket ship. So Shatner, at age 90, 91, gets flown into space, and they hang out in space for several minutes and then return to Earth. And upon the return to Earth, this is what Shatner says to Bezos. Thank you for giving me the most profound experience I can imagine. I'm so filled with emotion about what just happened. It's extraordinary. And then Shatner went on to say this. 
I hope I never recover from this. I hope I maintain what I feel right now. I don't want to lose it. Do you hear it? It's a sense of wonder. A man who had become famous by playing someone who had trekked through space finally got to go into space and was just in awe and wonder, filled with joy. Friend, that's the kind of attitude and perspective that God desires us to attain and maintain with all that we see him do in our lives as we look through scripture, what we see God do throughout history, what we see God doing in our midst, what we see God doing and what we see that he's going to do. God doesn't want us to have a been there, done that kind of perspective. Can you imagine if Shatner were to come back and be like, yeah, it's just like the movie set. Eh, not a big deal. Like that would have been lame. <laughs> Something would have been wrong, right? He comes back, he's like, whoa, I don't want to forget what I just saw. I got to go to space. I got to see the beauty of earth. That's the kind of wonder, that's the kind of awe God wants us to have with this wonder-filled story of the Savior coming to us. But if we're honest, if we're willing to admit it, We'd have to say that it's pretty easy to get numb. It's pretty easy to get numb to the story of Christmas. Like the longer you journey with Jesus, the longer you attend church, the the longer you live life, like it just can become routine. You go through the motions, all the things you set up as family tradition become to just be routine. They can lose their meaning. You kind of go through it. You you hear the same things. You hear the same story. It's just, you kind of numb, right? And and then we get filled with all these other things, right? We just can get stuck. We we, we get stuck in traffic. Hmm. We get stuck in lines in the stores. We get stuck by people who don't know what they're looking for. And yet, I mean, it's just all this. You're trying to find the perfect gift and you're trying to give the perfect gift and you're trying to, you know, have the family. Are we going to have the whole family? Are we going to have that part of the family? Do we have to have that part of the family? Oh, this thing. Do we have to go to this thing that your work is doing? Like your boss is kind of, I mean, you get all these different things coming up. They compete. They just kind of steal our joy and we can lose the sense of wonder. We just go through emotions and we miss what it's all about and we lose the wonder of it all. Friend, if I can encourage you to do anything, recapture the wow of the baby in the manger. Allow yourself to be filled with wonder once again at this God who entered in for us. You know, wonder brings joy. It's inevitable. It's on the face of every little child at this time of year, the cookies come out of the oven and they're in wonder of these cookies, this dough that's just become like this edible scrumptiousness and their face lights up. They can't hide it. They can't help. Their face is gonna show the wonder. And then the icing that gets put on those cookies and the sprinkles and the kids and maybe the 45-year-old kids look on with wonder and joy, just ready to taste of the goodness. It's on the face of the children as they look upon the Christmas tree and the sparkly lights that dance over there like those got these lights on the tree and the kids just look on like wow and then they look under the tree the presents wrapped there's a wow and a wonder and joy and anticipation that's what God desires for us 
And I would suggest that a lack of wonder is perhaps the greatest threat to joy in your life and in my life. When we lose our sense of wonder, we lose our sense of joy. Joy dissipates when we forget the wonderfulness of the story. Jesus came that we would have a life filled with wonder, that we would have a full life, that we'd have a wonderful life. The angels gave us good news of a wonder-filled birth, that the Messiah, yes, the Lord has come to us. Friends, that's where our joy is, that Jesus came for us, the Messiah has come to us, and he is coming again. That's our sense of joy. And I love that the angels shared the news first with the shepherds. Because it wasn't just that they gave the shepherds this news. But they were doing something. God was up to something when he gave the news to them. You know, shepherds, this is totally different than what we as humans do. Because if you're going to choose a meet and greet party for the dignitary, for a king, you're not choosing the shepherds to be the welcome party. If you got dignitaries coming to town, you got a king coming to town, and you're gonna do a meet and greet, you're not putting the shepherds there first because these guys, these guys smell like they're sheep. Think about that. They've been out walking with the sheep. They've been leading the sheep. They've been tending the sheep. They're sleeping with the sheep. They're leading them. They're sweaty. They're dirty. These are uneducated, unsophisticated people. But yet God knew exactly who he was choosing. Like, we would not choose these people because, you know, for like an earthly king, let alone the king of kings, the king of creation, the king of glory. But God knew exactly what he was doing. He chose these men not just because he wanted to give them the first dibs and give a message through them to give them a message to go see, and then from them they would send a message. But in choosing them, there's a message. In choosing them, he's saying something to us. Zechariah, the prophet, said on that day the Lord, their God, will rescue. Now, let me back up. When the angels visited Mary and Joseph, when they had the baby, they were told you were to name him Jesus, Emmanuel. And this is what the name means. God with us who will rescue his people from their sins. God with us who will rescue his people from their sins. On that day, the Lord their God will rescue his people. Jesus, the rescuer. And how is he gonna do it? Just as a what? Shepherd rescues his sheep. What a beautiful thing. This baby in the manger grew up to be an adult, a preacher, a teacher, prophet, the Messiah. And when Jesus was ministering to the crowds and he was teaching them, immediately after that John 10, 10 verse where he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, I have come that you may have life to the full, a wonderful life. Immediately after that, Jesus said this, I am the what? Good shepherd. And what's a good shepherd do? He sacrifices his life for the sheep. Friends, that's our joy. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. We were stuck in sin. We were locked in a prison of sin and shame. 
but we were bound by shackles and chains and we could not free ourselves. Jesus opened the prison doors. He loosened those chains. He set us free in a way that we could never do for ourselves. And the way he did it was sacrificing his life for us. See, this babe in the manger grew up to be the savior on the cross, to take the penalty for the people he would rescue. He came to us so that we could go to God, so that we could go to heaven, so that we could be restored to right relationship with God, and not just when life meets its finality, but right now, right here, that we can know God and be known by him, that we can walk with God in our day-to-day, everyday, ordinary lives right now. Now, that'll be made full, it'll be made complete, it'll be made perfect on the other side of the grave, but we don't have to wait for eternal life has already begun. And as the sacrifice for us, and in that Jewish culture, oftentimes they would sacrifice an animal to atone for their sins, to, to, to offer to God as an offering. And oftentimes the animal they would sacrifice was a lamb. And so Jesus was known as the lamb of God. Revelation 7, 17 tells us, for the lamb on the throne, that's Jesus on the throne of heaven and the throne of glory, for the lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. How beautiful. That's our joy. Well, what does a shepherd do? He guides his sheep. He takes them where they need to go. What's a shepherd do? He protects them from the enemy, from those who would seek to do them harm. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came that we would have a wonder-filled life. The shepherd provides, he defends, he protects, he cares for his sheep. You know, the season of Advent is what we've been looking at. Advent, season of anticipation, a season of waiting that the one who came to us, we wait for him to come again, just as they waited for him to come the first time. And, and we find joy in knowing that he is the miracle worker. He is the one who could have Mary, a teen virgin, become pregnant with the Messiah. That he is the light and the darkness, the shining light in the sky that would capture the attention of foreigners and have them travel afar to come and find this baby and bring gifts to worship and bow down to him. He is the one who shines light, the light of hope and joy and redemption, salvation into the dark despair of our world, of our hearts. He is... The promise keeper, as Anthony preached a couple weeks ago, all those hundreds of prophecies from the Old Testament, the promises of what God would do came through, came true and have come through in Jesus. He keeps his word. He keeps his promise. This is who he is. And he is the way maker. He makes a way where there is no other way. He made a way for us to God. Jesus is the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Except through me, no one gets to the Father. He makes the way for us. He is the great way maker. Friends, this is our joy, that we have a Savior, and that he came for us, and the invitation is offered to all of us. May we never lose the wonder of the babe in the manger, or the Savior on the cross, or an empty tomb, or a wonderful life.
And he's coming again. He's coming again. Now I know, right now I know all too well that even in seasons of joy, there's loneliness, there's hurt, there's pain, there's sadness. That as much as this season will amplify the joy for us, despair has a sneaky way of getting in and intensifying the pain. I know it all too well. But the joy of Jesus transcends our circumstances. The joy of Jesus supersedes our emotions. See, the joy we're talking about isn't just some emotion. It's bigger than that. Joy does not disappear. It's not chased away at suffering or pain or challenges. No, in fact, joy does not depend on circumstance because it's found in a savior. It's found in a person. You see, if your joy is situational and circumstantial, it won't last. But if your joy is found in the person of Jesus, if your joy is found in a savior, then no circumstance and no situation can steal it away from you. In fact, this is what the apostle Paul was getting at when he wrote to the church at Philippi. He gave them this command, always be full of what? Joy. And where? Join your circumstance, join the situation, join how things are going, join your bank account, join how many likes you got on social media, how many friends are hanging out at the house, and what gifts you're getting for Christmas. No, joy in the Lord. And I'll say it again, rejoice, rejoice. Now, let me give you the situation, the circumstance in which Paul wrote this when he penned this to the church of Philippi. Paul says, listen, Philippians, and I'm just gonna like boil down the book of Philippians in like the next minute or so for you. I'm gonna make it easy for you. One of my favorite letters in the whole New Testament, all of the Bible. Paul writes to them, he says, by the way, they locked me up in a Roman prison and they're probably going to kill me because I've been preaching and teaching that Jesus is king and not Caesar, that the emperor is not supreme. And the emperor doesn't like that. His dudes don't like that. They locked me up and they dislike it so much they're probably gonna lop off my head. But good news, whatever they're gonna do to me, they're coming for you next. When they get done with me, they're coming for you. So take joy, because that makes sense, right? <laughs> like who writes this? But there's these famous statements that Paul makes to this church, right? In this letter, he says, for to live is Christ and to die is where our gain is. He says, as long as we're living, we live to give glory to Jesus. And we find joy in that because of what Jesus has done for us because of who he is to us. And then on the other side of the grave, all that joy is made complete. That's our gain. So we are not citizens of this place. We're just nomads passing through. Our citizenship is in heaven. And when we get there, that's when joy is filled up and complete and overflowing. And we were like, man, so just live for that. In fact, Paul says to them, it's not that suffering can eliminate joy. He says, I want to know Christ so well that I become one with him in his suffering. I want to know the suffering of Christ in my life. Somehow, for the apostle Paul, suffering didn't steal joy away, it amplified it. He said, as I connect with Christ through the suffering of this life, I find even greater joy. And that's so contrary to the way we approach it. See, joy is not situational or circumstantial because it's based on a savior, not a situation. Friends, that is our joy. Then when we get to the other side, we stand in the presence of an almighty God forever. And there, he wipes away every tear. 
It takes away all the pain. All the suffering of this world, gone. And for all those who've experienced loss in this season or any other, just take joy knowing that for those who walked with Christ, my mom, your mom, your dads, your friends, right now, man, it's like living in a trash can compared to the joy they're, they're seeing. Our joy is in our Savior. Now, you know what's fun about joy? It's contagious. Joy is like unavoidably, unavoidably shareable. See, joy wants others to join in. And you know how this is. Even like the little things in life that bring us a, a small snippet of joy that bring us a little bit of wonder. We, we got to tell other people about it, right? You, you go out and you, you find a good meal. You're like, whoa, bro, you got to taste the burgers at Drake's. Like, whoa, yeah. Like you see a good movie. You're like, oh, sis, you got to go check out Maverick. Like, whoa, what they did with that. Tom Cruise, dude, 60. What? Jerk. All right. You know, seriously, you hear good music and you're like, oh, all the T-Swifty fans. You're like, woo, we got to experience this. One others experience it. You break Ticketmaster because you're trying to get your friends there, right? Like, oh, you, you experience something good. You get a good friend. You want to introduce that friend to your other friends. You're like, oh, you got to come meet my bud. You got to come meet my friend. That's exactly what the shepherds did. The shepherds went and told people about it. In fact, we go back to Luke 2, 17. This is what we find. After seeing him, the shepherds told whom? Everyone. Say with me. Who'd they tell? Everyone. Listen, this is who everyone is. It's everyone. They told their friends. They told their family. They told their neighbors. They told the other shepherds who were sleeping in that night, who had the night off. They told the people down the street. They told people that they didn't know. They told strangers. They told people that they didn't like. They told people who didn't like them. They told everyone. And when they told them what had happened and what the angel had seen to them about this child, remember how those people responded? With wonder. They told everyone. So friend, when was the last time you told someone, anyone, about Jesus when you shared the wonder. It's what I love about what we're doing with our Christmas outreach this year, our Love the 502, is we're reaching out to share some joy and wonder with some women in our community who may feel anything about it. You know, wonder for them. They, they just wonder if they matter. They wonder if anyone cares. They wonder if anybody notices their pain and sees them. And we are standing up to say, yes, we see you. We care for you. We love you. You matter to us and you matter to our God. Women who are stuck in sex trafficking in the sex, the sex industry, young girls and women who've become pregnant in an unplanned way. And we say, you matter, and your situation matters to us. We want to offer hope, not condemnation. We want to offer help. We want to help you find wonder and joy because you matter. You're made in the image of a holy God. And I pray, I pray that maybe what we do, that church, through our generosity, listen, you got to understand, your generosity could be the game changer for one of those young women. Your generosity to this initiative could be the thing that unlocks the doorway of wonder and hope and redemption. And I pray that God might bless us with even just one of those women to find her place of belonging here.
even before she believes. And that as she does, God would use us to respond with the arms of Christ and the compassion of Christ. You know, it's not just in that. When was the last time you told someone, anyone, about Jesus? We're providing some really simple ways to do that. Just a little like postcard-like invite has the service times of our Christmas services. 7 p.m. on the 23rd, 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. on the 24th. We'll have a Christmas Day service at 11. Could God use this to be a game changer in someone's life? We've got these fun hot chocolate cone things that we made. It's just super fun, but it's super simple. It's, it's hot chocolate, right? It's cocoa, complete with marshmallows and chocolate chips, an invite and a candy cane. Could God use a cup of hot chocolate to redirect, to reroute someone's eternity? Could God use one of these as the game-changing moment in someone's story? Could God use this to be the moment when somebody discovers the wonder of a Savior, the hope of Jesus, the joy of what this season is all about? I think the answer to those questions is a resounding yes. I mean, if God will use a burning bush, I think God will use a little piece of hot chocolate, a little invite. Friend, for us to reach everyone, see, that's, that's our mission here, is that we wanna help everyone find and follow Jesus. That's what we're all about. But for us to help everyone find Jesus, that means each of us has to help someone. So who's the one God has given you? If all of us invite just one person to join us, and I don't mean just like, hey, show up at Christmas and go to church. I mean like to connect with us. Like, hey, join me at this service and sit with me. And maybe we'll go out for dinner before or after the service. Maybe we'll grab some coffee or something. Maybe we'll, I'll have you over to the house. Maybe I'll pick you up and drive you to the service. I want you to sit with me, to join me, to come with my family, to come with me. If we offer that kind of invitation, what might God do through that? Through those holy connections? And maybe maybe we just go out to eat and, and we choose to be intentional. Maybe we, we go out and we decide, hey, we're going to go out and, and for our server, we're going to pray for our server. We're going to ask them how we can pray for them. We're going to invite them to join us at Christmas Eve. We're going to tip big to make sure that they know we're not against them, but we're for them. I mean, what if God were to use those simple invitations to unlock a door of hope and wonder for the people in our community? Like, what might that do? The only reason I'm here because 30 years ago, somebody invited me to go to church, invited me to join him at church. I don't know your story, but at some point, somebody invited you 
Maybe it's your parents and you just grew up doing it. But however it looked, it's because they cared enough about you that they wanted you. They want you to have the wonder of Jesus. They wanted you to have a wonderful life. They want you to know the joy of Jesus. Church, I pray, I hope that we care enough about the people in our lives that we will trust God to use such a simple invite and more importantly, to use us to change the trajectory of their eternity. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are the God of wonder and you're the God of hope. God, in this season of waiting, this season of Advent, this season of longing, our prayer is simple. Jesus, you came once, come again and come soon. And we know your word tells us you delay not out of anger, not because you're distant, but because of your loving patience, because you desire that all of us would walk closely with you. So God, would you use us? Would you use these invitations? Would you give us the courage to invite people? And God, those people that we invite, would we hear them say yes? Would we see them come and connect with your church, but most importantly, connect with you? God, for all those who walk with you, I pray that we will be faithful to be as those shepherds, to tell everyone and to share the wonder. Like we just can't help it. God, give us an unstoppable joy that just has to be shared with the world around us. And God, for those who don't know you, I pray that they would come into a relationship with you, that they would come to know you, that they would come to see you as King of kings and King of glory and King of their life. Savior and Lord, and they would surrender to you in there in doing so they would find the joy that their hearts have been longing for. Oh God, would you use this church as a beacon of hope, as a wonder-filled place for people to encounter the wonderful Savior. We pray for your glory and in your name, Jesus. Amen.